1: The Apostle Paul has come to chapter 20. Maybe this is why it's become my favorite through all these many years. He gets to 20, and in chapter 20, he knows it's over. From chapter 20 forward, he's headed toward the guillotine. His head's going to be severed. And he's moving toward, he's not going on missionary journeys. Now he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried for being a, a preacher of the gospel, and his head's going to be taken from his body. In fact, verse 22, he says uh, last week, and now I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Uh, but look what he says in verse 23, uh, say, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. I know, I know I'm going to jail. And I know affliction's coming. I just know that's coming. I'm going to die. They're either going to set me on fire, they're going to cut my head off. They'll crucify me. All the disciples were crucified. Peter said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus died. Crucify me upside down. Uh, they pulled, they put uh, f- f- four oxen and tied their limbs to the oxen and they'd pull uh, their arms off and pull their legs off. <coughs> Pardon me, lancets through them. <coughs> Pardon me. And, and uh, I say that to say that Paul knew what was ahead of him. He just didn't know how. He said, the time of my departure, 2 Timothy 4, 6, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Now, I know they're going to come in this jail cell and they're going to kill me, going to take me and sever my head. I, I figured that out now. As he writes to us, he knows his time is short. I'm certainly not, in my estimation, an old man, but I'm older than many of you. And I know I have fewer days ahead than the days I've had behind. I know I cannot pastor this church another 46 years and quite frankly, that's a huge grief to me. I know I don't have 36 years or 26 years. I'd be too old for you. I don't have 16 years left. But you know, when you realize life is allowing you to run out of time, Everything becomes more urgent. Everything that I do in my life is so urgent. It's urgent for my wife. It's urgent for our kids, our 14 grandkids. It's urgent for the people of God. It's it's urgent. I I can hardly hear Jennifer sing. I'm so excited where I'm going with elementary chapel on every Wednesdays this year, as I go to the other property and preach to those little children in uh, K4 all the way up through high school, and then high school chapel, college chapel. Uh, There's so much urgency in my heart. Things I want to say, things I want to leave to these young people so that by the grace of God, they'll live to be good people, moral people, respected people, honest people, kind people, godly people. I don't want this thing just to be, uh, what kind of fun can I create for these kids? I want to leave more inheritance in the heart than just simply fun. Paul is writing, and his message is more urgent as he's nearing the shore. And every man of God, every mother and, and parent, they, they ought to abandon some of their own ideas and say, I've got to get my, my kids prepared for if I'm not here. We had a a lady last, we thought it'd be Sunday morning, but last Sunday night, they pulled the plug. 29 year old girl, I remember she got baptized here. I remember leading her mom and dad to Christ and she stepped over on the other side this past week in a tragic accident. We have a staff member that sat right here by me. Yeah, uh, this week they'll bury the year and a half old niece, a nephew, because that child was killed in a car accident this past week. There's so uh, so much you've got to put into a life so quickly. Grandparents, we, you, 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 kids, you need your grandparents. Talk to them, listen to them, have them tell you things about their life, have them guide you into adulthood. Take the memory of your grandparents. I, 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 I love to. I'd love to meet with the members of churches across America that left a church mad or disgruntled one week before Bobby Robertson died, or one week before. Tom Malone died, or one week before Lee Robertson died, or one week before Harold Sattler. We, we have people all over America quitting church, walking out of church, leaving church. But you, it, you might be, I'm not saying I'm great, I'm saying this it might be this day my last message to preach. A lot of those men, I know the last message they preached. I know it was a Sunday for this preacher. Sunday night. I know this preacher, it was a Wednesday night, he preached about the authority of the King James Bible. I know that this man preached on a Sunday morning and it was his last one. I have something urgent to tell you today from this scripture and it's two words, verse 28, take heed. Take heed. Pay attention is what that means. God wants you to pay attention. You may have just slept your last night with your mate because today might be the day that God takes him home. You might have prayed with your children the last time last night because God may take you home this week. Or you may be at the, at the bedside of one of your children, or grandchild. God forbid, but it may happen this week. My dear friend, Mike Ray, his wife was perfectly fine and one in the hospital and now 65 days later, she's had eight surgeries later. We never thought she was sick 65 days ago. With surgery after surgery, things change quickly. A preacher called me a couple weeks ago, said brother, treatment, my, I've been pastoring this church for 40 years. My wife just died. And my heart is so heavy for them. I called a grandfather this week, a preacher, about his grandchild dying this week. My heart is heavy for them. I want you to know you have to pay attention. I think we live as if we'll always have our mate, we'll always have our kids, we'll always have our parents. I'm gonna tell my dad off. I'm gonna tell my mother off. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell them what I, stop that nonsense. Time to grow up, take heed. And he says, what I want you to pay attention to, first and foremost is yourself, self. Look what he says, take heed, read it to me, the word yourselves. Let's read, ready, begin. Take heed therefore unto yourself. Self, pay attention to yourself. Moses is writing to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter number four, verse number nine. He says this, only take heed to thyself and forget not the things that they have, you have seen and heard and let them not depart from your heart. Take heed, verse 15, to yourself. The third time it says, verse 23, take heed to yourself. And the covenant which your Lord God made with you, make no graven image or likeness of anything. Take heed to yourself. Today, I, I can recall when I'd go and I'd, I'd tell my dad, because I had two sisters, One's on planet Earth, a twin sister in Florida. One is in heaven. And I said to my dad, as, as the only son, trying to raise those girls right, you know, it's hard raising girls. And my sisters, I, I was trying to get them to obey me, and they would not obey me. I don't know what's wrong with it, but you know, that's the way it goes. I'd go to my dad and say something to my dad about Judy or say something about my sister Jill. My dad would say, Jack. Maybe you ought to just keep your own yard clean. Maybe you ought to pay attention to Jack. And folks that go on the internet and social media a lot of times, they're so busy taking care of everybody else's life and trashing everybody else that maybe we ought to take a little introspect to say, what's wrong with me? Let a man, the Bible says, examine himself. Am I a liar? Am I a cheat? Am I a stealer? Am I a lazy bum? Am I critical of one another? Am I a gossip? Am I hateful? Do I have ill will, ill feelings? Do I carry in my heart uh, the selfishness and sin? I say today that the very first person we ought to take heed to is ourself. Pay attention to yourself. It could go many areas we could talk about, but you know, throughout the Bible, it, we're told take heed Take heed to your, your, about your alms. Alms is your, your service and works for people that are in need. They cannot walk, they cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot work a job. And God says, you take care that you do not your alms before men that you may be seen of people. We ought to be very, very discreet when we do things for people and not to laud it all over the place. This is what I've done. God says, take heed to your alms. Take heed that you don't despise one of these little ones. I can't believe what we're doing in this country. I can't believe over here at the library we're flying fly the gay pride flag for children to go in there. I can't believe we got a president say, let's change your gender. It's a God-riven right. I can't believe we got politicians say, if you want to have a baby and then you're not happy with the baby, even in this state, after birth, you can decide if you want to eliminate the baby. That, that's called death. America's not founded on life. We're founded on life, the pursuit of life and happiness. We're so, we're so casual, so carnal with human life, we blaspheme God's plan for the home. And when a home is destroyed in society, you destroy society. You go, just take a look what you'll hear on the news this week. It's all about, they're saying more liberty for you. It's more control of the government over you. Government gives nothing free. We were contacted to say, now the church and we probably could get a million or more money for the COVID, how it hurt us. I'm not taking money from that government. Because money comes always with strings. I'd rather instead of taking money from the government, take money from God and God's people and God's wealth. It is God that giveth thee power to make wealth. The the cattle on the thousand hills are him. The wealth in every mine is him. I want to say today that you, you, you take heed to your arms. You take care of these little ones. And you take care and take heed to how you hear, the Bible says. And you take heed of deception and deceiving people. And you take heed, the Bible says, of covetousness. And you take heed, the Bible says, a surfeiting. That means there's giddiness and drinking and, and excess. And everything has to be play. Surfeiting, it means it's just all life is a party. Life is not a party. Work, life is about responsibility. God says, take heed how you build. And take heed that you, if you think you stand take heed lest you fall. And take heed that you bite and devour one another. Take heed, the Bible says, of doctrine. Take heed that there be not an evil heart of unbelief. God says, Jack, pay attention to yourself. When I take heed, yes, I guess our church has some limited boundaries, very few. Very few limited boundaries. But Christians ought to have more boundaries on their life than what a church imposes. I want your homework assignment. If you're going to give a homework assignment today, this week you think about what rules have you in your life that go beyond? Our, our rule doesn't have, our church doesn't have a rule that you can't watch TV or or anything by yourself. There's no rule about that. Do what you want to do. But 40 years ago, I made a rule in my life, because I travel so much, and stay at hotels, that one, I was never going to turn a television on when I'm by myself. So I missed World Series, I missed NBA, I missed uh, football, and I, I missed all those things. Because on the East Coast one night I was preaching, I turned the television on after preaching that night. And I went in the restroom to brush my teeth, and I came out, and there was some filth on the television. I'll never forget shutting the TV off. I fell on my knees, and I said, oh, God, you know I didn't mean to do that. It's just there. They didn't have cell phones. I called my wife on the house phone. I said, here's what just happened. And I said, I promise you right now, I'll never watch a television in my life alone ever again. She, she said, you probably don't need to make that rule. I said, well, I just made it. That's been almost 40 years ago. He said, wow, what a good Christian. No, I didn't, I didn't impose that rule on my life because I'm a good Christian. I imposed that rule on my life because I'm not a good Christian. Myself my wants to do wrong. Myself wants to live for myself, for me. I'm not happy, so I need this. Not, so, so I had to impose some rules. I have a lot of rules the church never made. They're rules that maybe my wife doesn't even know. They're rules for me. I want some rules in my life. I want some boundaries. Because by the grace of God, I don't want the kids in my family, uh, the six adults and the 14 grandkids to hear that Papa. Papa's been stealing money from the church, and now Papa's going to prison. I don't want them to hear that. So we have a business office here we we'll always have. I've never cashed a check in the business office. I go to the bank. I've never gone to the business office and said, I have a $10 bill. I need two fives. There would be nothing wrong with that, but I'm not going to go get around the money. I don't know that they how they store the money, if they have a safe for the money. Well, I'm sure they do. I don't know the combination of the state safe. I've never been in that room. I'm not, I don't want to go in that room where they count the money. I don't want to be around it. Why? I want a rule that by the grace of God I'm going to come to the end of my journey and he never touched the church money and he was faithful to his wife. I want, I want to impose some rules not from the church and not necessarily from my wife though I want to be sensitive to her needs. What kind of rules do you have? Take heed to yourself. When I came here I made a rule. We didn't have the internet. I made a rule that Whatever letters I wrote wrote, or whatever letters I dictated, I would never say anything in a letter to anyone that I'd be ashamed to have it published. I I was not ever going to tell off another church member or another pastor. Nobody in America has a letter from me ever or something from me where I told them off. That's not my task in life. I'm to be a shepherd. Shepherd doesn't tell people off. I made a rule in my life that if I was caught speeding, that I'd not try to talk my way out of it. I can recall we were over in Danville. My mother and dad were in the back seat there with the Lord. My wife was, my, my dad was in the front seat with me, my wife and my mother in the back seat. And this policeman pulled me over and my mother's in the back seat saying, oh, he's a, he's a Baptist preacher. No, mother. He's a good man. He does. He's always a. And she was, I said, mom, he went back. I said, don't worry about it. Well, you don't deserve that ticket. Well, maybe not that one. I don't think I did, but I deserved a lot more. I told somebody this week, and I know I'm in the internet and every country's, well, I know this, but I, I, I flew into Spokane and then drove two and a half hours this week to a meeting in Montana and went through Idaho. When you hit Montana, it's 80 miles an hour. I had a car that had 54 miles on it, brand new. It was the most wonderful thing, a little small Toyota. And it was. Yeah, I was in the forest, four-lane highway, but going through the National Forest, driving. And, and the road was a little rough there, and it was raining. And I, I, when I saw 80, I punched that button. I went to 80 miles an hour. You're not a kid, but I'm going to get there. And all of a sudden, man, I'm hanging onto that car. I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? Well, I hit something that just kept graduating, and I looked down and said, Montana, please, please don't listen right now. I I won't tell you what it said, but it had three numbers. (laughs) I said, no wonder why this thing is bouncing all over the place, and I I I took it down to something. Um, what What kind of rules have you imposed on yourself? Take heed to yourself. Take heed to your sheep. Take heed, therefore, to the flock of which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased as his own blood. The church, God's people are called sheep. You know this amazing thing about sheep? Lions can take care of themselves, wolves can take care of themselves. Birds can take care of themselves. Cats can't take care of themselves. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep are called, and I'm not referring to you this way, the most ignorant, dumb animal. Because the sheep follow in a path. And, and where if the first sheep comes over the edge and there's a cliff and that first one walks off, the rest will follow. Them. Sheep need a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The pastor is my little shepherd. Thy shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep, sheep need to be by still waters. Sheep get agitated real fast. Sheep need to have their eyes anointed with oil. Because, you know this story, sheep get mucus in the corners of the eyes, sockets. And because it's there, insects always hatch their eggs in the corner of a sheep that doesn't have been anointed with oil. And sometimes you'll see that what sheep do when they're infected in their eyes, they'll head, head to head with another sheep and they'll rub heads together. But the problem with that, they're spreading the disease through the flock. Jesus said, I am the great shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. If I could redo, and I've tried to, I've tried, my wife has said, we've tried to give our lives to, we, we've not been involved with um, cabins and boats and I'm up against all that. We, 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 we've not traveled the world. We have no, I've traveled the world to preach. She's at home. Well, that's a, Our desire has been to be a good shepherd and a good pastor's wife, shepherding the men and the ladies of this church, shepherding the generations coming up behind us, starting in the nurseries. We love talking to the babies. We love talking to the children. We're almost always the last ones here, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and down here in the front, hanging around because we love being with God's people. They're our, they're our sheep there are people. I go out to the cemeteries where I've laid to rest so many of your loved ones, and I go over there markers, I see, and my heart always still to this day, and some have been laying out in these cemeteries for 40-some years, my heart still aches and breaks. There are sheep, and God says, I want you to take, a, t- 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 take, take heed, pay attention to the sheep. I don't know how to use a computer. There's, I don't know about a lot of things in life. You're, I pastor probably the smartest church in America. Your intelligence amazes me. But one thing I, I also do, I watch everything. I watch during song service and I'm singing. I watch someone who's not singing. I'm not going to preach against them. My first thought is I wonder what's going on in their heart. I wonder what agony they're going through. Or I watch someone singing and they're moving their lips, but they're, it's not, they're not in. I'm thinking something's going on. Or I watch a wife not sitting close to a husband or a husband away from his I, I look at that. I watch teenagers. I'm watching all the time. I'm looking all the time. Why? Because you're my sheep. The Bible says I am going to give an account for you one day, Hebrews chapter 13. And I have to give it with joy. So when someone calls me and said, I got arrested from alcohol, my first response is not, okay, you bum, look what you did, you shamed our church. That's not my response. My response is to go to the jail if you're staying in because this is your second or third offense and to to go go to the jail and visit you. So so, I've I've had more people hang their head on the other side of the glass and shame this. I'm so ashamed, Pastor. I said, yep, but guess what? I'm still your pastor. Yes, you did wrong, but let's figure out how to rebuild your life. Oh, a lot of times people don't let you rebuild your life. They know everything you've ever done wrong in life. That's not my job to find fault with everybody. My job is to be the good shepherd. Love the, she- the sheep. When I die, you find sure, you absolutely make sure you get a pastor that loves you more than he loves himself. I find we should take heed to ourselves, and I'm so far out of time, we should take heed to the sheep. But there's one more group I want you to see in there before we close it down. I want you to take heed to the swindlers. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, one, self, and to the flock, that's the sheep. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, Not sparing the flock. I I want to take heed to the swindlers, these grievous wolves that come in with new doctrine—Calvinism—that says, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, God did did not appoint you to salvation; Uh, you have to die and go to hell. That's not Bible. For whosoever will shall may come. He died for whosoever. He died for all. So no, I'm not a Calvinist at all. I'm not a progressive. I'm not a baptismal regeneration. You have to be baptized to be saved. No, for by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. No, I'm not for baptism. uh, You say, well, what what if you sin? Do you lose your salvation? No, because I believe, according to the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My everlasting life that began in my life 65 years ago, I don't deserve it to keep on going and keep on going because I've been such a wretch. But I tell you what, God does not lie. He gave me about 15 minutes from here eternal life in 1956. I want you to know that since then I've had eternal life. And there are people that are coming in our churches say, well, Uh, we've been called to liberty. Yeah, but that means in your mind, no boundaries. But God says in that text you're quoting from Galatians chapter number five, we've been called to liberty. He says, only use not liberty for the occasion of the flesh. But I can do this. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Uh, No, we're above the law. We are under, yes, grace, which demands more than just the rules and regulations. I don't want to be known as a play church. I don't want to be known as a party church, though we have sports and ladies volleyball, and we have all these different leagues for our kids and all these different things in the school. I'm all for that. But I don't want our church known for play. I want to know our church known for souls. I want a church to be known for the scriptures and for a stand and for service and for singing I want a church to be known for Sunday school. I want a church to be known for working to preserve the next second generation. Take heed because they come into the churches as wolves. That's why there are several things, and you may not agree with this, but if someone comes on this parking lot, and I've done it, and he's bothering a woman, I get my cell phone out with him watching I just have taken pictures what are you doing taking your picture I don't want a wolf come in and get these ladies someone comes in here and at election time it always happens out here in the lobby they come out of the woodwork to this place because there's a lot of people here they're passing out their information or someone goes to another place and they get information about, you know, this, good, it might be a good group, recovery groups and, and this group, and look at those socks and all those things. And I might be for the program, but you're not gonna come here and start passing. I'll say, excuse me, we don't pass it out here. This is church. This is not to pass your business card for your company, this is church. They're gravious wolves. Well, guess what? I'm not done like usual, but I'm out of time. God says I want you to pay attention to one self, two sheep, three swindlers. You know, my dad and my mother took us in. The year I got saved, 1956, They took us to Yosemite. My wife and I have been married all these years and I've never got her to Yosemite yet. We're gonna do that before life gets over. But I remember, I don't know where it's at because I haven't been back there since 1956, but you came through a tunnel and then there was a big rock structure, just two lanes, and people had pulled over on the side of the road and they were walking up the side, sort of like steps. And, and the rock itself had moss on it and, Water was running, so you could tell it was slippery. My dad said, now, son, you can go walk up there. That's okay. I said, Dad, can I take the camera? We had a black box camera with a gray handle on it. Never forget it. And he said, you can take that. I mean, here, I'm just a kid. Hey, let me take it. He said, now, son, here's the thing. You stay on that trail with that rail, and don't get over there on that side where that's water. By the way, if you get on that, you're gonna come down that hill and go right into the, the road. Well, I got all the way to the top and it looked so inviting. I mean, where that water was running real gently and it was slime, I didn't know how slippery it'd be. But you know, my dad was an old man. He was probably about 35 at the time. <laughs> and what does this old guy know about this he's not up here I am I remember going over the rail and getting on that top and I I started taking a picture and people start down below pointing and all of a sudden I lost my footing I found out real fast my dad was right and I, I there's no stopping I was coming down that thing having a nice ride, trying to hold that camera up because I knew I'd get in trouble. I wasn't thinking I was going to get in trouble for going down the rock. You know what the problem with that was? I didn't take heed to myself. Would you pay attention to yourself? What about eternity? Are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell or don't you know